This Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to the Golden Edge podcast sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your host, Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge podcast, the podcast with the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey. I am Ben Goats, your Golden Knights review journal beat writer uh, here to talk to you about a lot of August news that all of a sudden cropped up with Golden Knights. I'm going to go through some of that, a series I've got going on in this week's paper that'll stretch on a little bit into next week. And at the end, we're going to take some Twitter questions from you guys to address some pressing topics of today with the Golden Knights. I'm really excited for this week's show. But before we get into everything, just a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos, ST and Sports. We are presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. If you guys haven't been paying attention, I've had a story up uh, pretty much every day this week, or at least the last, I think now, four days. Um, so that'll continue at least into the next couple as well. So just because the off-season is happening doesn't mean our coverage stops. So make sure that you're checked on out and subscribed to our paper for the latest Golden Knights news. And of course, we are also presented by Blue Wire. All right, well, we are back uh, in studio for this week's podcast after, oh boy, a real humdinger of an episode uh, last week. Uh, My lovely producer, who is now here to my left, Larry, uh, was on vacation and famous last words before Larry left for vacation, and we are planning to take a week off the podcast. He was like, hey, by the way, just in case anything happens, like, you can let me know. And I was like, Larry, Larry, nothing's gonna happen. It's August. It's the slow time of the year. No way anything crazy's gonna go down. I'm like, ah, sure. We could get a Nick Wall or a Keegan Colasar re-signing, and we did. But those don't have to be drop everything and start recording podcasts. But we did get one of those anyway. uh, Because, of course, Robin Leonard, it was announced uh, now last Thursday, so it's been about eight days, is expected to miss the entire season with hip surgery, we did do kind of a breaking news podcast. Shout out to interim producer Heidi Fang for stepping up there. If you guys want to get kind of my instant reaction to that news, not a whole lot has changed now a week out from there. There have not been a lot of uh, new developments, not a lot of clarification in terms of you know what exactly happened there, what the timing of it was, what the Golden Knights' plans might now be moving forward. And that a lot of that is still... You know, to be determined, and we'll still have to watch how that shakes out and everything. Um, and no move has been made yet with the Knights in terms of a potential move at goaltender. I think that was a big point of speculation right when that happened of like, okay, does this mean the Knights now have to make a move because they're starting goaltender? Is expected to be out for the entire regular season. So far, nothing's happened. I don't think that's too big of a surprise as I tried to go over on last week's show. There wasn't a whole lot out there in the free agent market. That would have been exciting for the Knights to go out and sign and kind of snatch up. Uh, Braden Holtby is a name that is technically available. If you see, you know, a free agent list, obviously a guy with a great pedigree beat the Knights in the 2018 Stanley Cup final, has won a Vesna trophy before, worked with George McPhee before, of course with the Washington Capitals, but uh, TSN has reported back in July he's expected to miss this entire next season, so not a real option for the team. And then, of course, a trade could still happen, and even those kind of limited options that could potentially be available, I think, were 
narrowed even thinner yesterday by some interesting news across the National Hockey League. But because I don't think we dove uh, deep into trade options last week, I was going to go a little bit deeper into that today uh, with, once again, the ironic thing kind of being even these options, I think, you can A, you can either decide whether these would be actual upgrades for the Golden Knights, and B, I think some of them, their availability, based on what we've heard the last 24 hours, is probably in question as well. But if you want to talk about some potential trade targets for the Golden Knights, since the free agent options are basically non-existent, uh, one guy you could look at is Semyon Varlamov, kind of a 1A, 1B guy, plays the New York Islanders, veteran guy, actually another George McPhee draft pick. Uh, for the Washington Capitals, but he's a guy who's been around the block, been in a lot of games, slated to be more of a two this year with the Islanders behind their kind of up-and-coming goaltender, Ilya Sorokin. I think he's a target that would make sense. He's got the same cap hit as Robin Leonard, $5 million, Varlamas on an expiring deal. So you could, you know, fit him into kind of Leonard's long-term injured reserve and a cap flexibility, but it wouldn't affect next year when Leonard is, you would think, going to be back playing Hockey for the Golden Knights. Uh, the question with him, because he's got you know a good proven track record of being a one B slash backup goaltender, is why would the Islanders move him in August or in September, kind of leading into training camp, uh, unless they get something significant back? And if you're the Knights, are you willing to give up something significant at this point? I think a move here might have made more sense yesterday when Nazem Kadri, the last you know, kind of big free agent still available, was on the market and rumored to be in the mix with the Islanders. And you could say, hey, the Islanders want to sign Kadri. They need the cap space, so let's have them send us Varlamov, if you're a Knights fan. And that's kind of how that deal can come together. The only problem, of course, is that Kadri did not go to the Islanders. He signed with the Calgary Flames yesterday. Uh, shout out to Bradstreet Living, who's really turned that team around after losing Johnny Goudreau in free agency and trading away Matthew Kachuk. Uh, the Flames, once again, look like they are probably going to be the favorites in the Pacific Division next year, thanks to their kind of smart pivot this offseason. But the fact that they have made that smart pivot means Kadri's off the market, means the Islanders don't really need to open up a whole like ton of cap space right now, which means they're probably less willing to flip Semyon Varlamov, which makes it less likely that he would be available uh, to the Knights. And, you know, if you are the Knights and you're staring, okay, the Islanders at this point probably don't want to give away Semyon Varlamov, so you'd have to really pry him out of there by giving them a good offer that they couldn't refuse. You know, with this roster that has a lot of question marks, certainly way more than it did heading into last season, uh, are you willing to spend a good deal of prospect kind of capital if you're the Knights to get a Semyon Varlamov, who is a very good goaltender, but not an elite kind of number one guy you can be assured is going to lead you deep in the playoffs, even though he did do that for the Islanders a couple times. Um, another name that's been thrown around out there is Jake Allen, longtime starter in St. Louis, kind of transitioned more into a 1B there toward the end of his time there behind Jordan Bennington. Now has been kind of a 1B, actually a little bit more of a starter in Montreal. Uh, maybe worth checking in on, Um you know, as we get closer to camp. But the big news yesterday is that to clear cap space, the Canadians actually made a trade with the Flames so that the Flames had enough room to sign Kadri. And one of the things that came out of that was that Montreal GM Kent Hughes came out and said, well, we were able to take on a contract from Calgary because we're going to have more 
cap space we think heading into this year because it's unlikely, you know, our main goaltender, Carey Price, plays this season. Price obviously has had an amazing career, beat the Golden Knights in the semifinal in 2021 in the bubble, has had health issues, and now it appears uh, not only his season uh, is in jeopardy, but Carey Price at 35 years old, his career might be in jeopardy as well. So the Canadians have extra cap space to use in this trade with the Flames because they don't think they have Carey Price. And because they don't have Carey Price, they're probably very likely to hold on to Jake Allen because you need someone in net to get through the year. So I think that possibility is probably decreasing for the Knights as well in terms of a guy that they could look out to go and get. So really one of the only trade targets that still makes sense at this point would be a deal, uh, funnily enough, with the Knights' main rival, the San Jose Sharks, and that's for a guy named James Reimer. Uh, Reimer is just kind of a solid veteran, and the Sharks have three you know, NHL-caliber goalies on their roster right now. They've got Capo Kakinen, who they got at the trade deadline from the Minnesota Wild, uh, Aiden Hill, and Reimer. So someone likely has to go because no team keeps three goaltenders on their active NHL roster at all times. Uh, the main question, of course, is, you know, I think even compared to Allen and Varlamov, who was solid pedigrees, as I would say, like said, one B guys kind of at this point in their career, um, you know, it is Reimer to their same level. Is he a guy that you're willing to give up an asset for and invest kind of heavily in terms of games at the goaltending position? You know, he does have a 913 save percentage for his career, which is very good. Not that far off from Leonard's, you know, 917's career save percentage. But, you know, more advanced stats like goals uh, saved above expected paint him as like roughly a slightly above average NHL goalie last year, Reimer. So we're talking about maybe like a half step up from a Laurent Brassois, but, you know, not a full step up, not a guy that you're like, oh, this is our rock. This is their number one guy night in, night out, going to make an all-star team, anything like that. Uh, Reimer is just like a very solid veteran NHL goalie. So he's, like I said, probably a little bit better than Laurent Brassois, definitely more proven than Logan Thompson. But in terms of what you're expecting to get out of him, like production-wise next season, you know, I don't think he's necessarily a massive upgrade over those guys, unless you're, if you're the Knights, you're really worried about, okay, is Laurent Brassois going to be healthy next year coming off his hip surgery? Are we sure we can count on Logan Thompson night in and night out in his first kind of full go-around in the NHL, and we just want some insurance back there, a guy that we can turn to if things get hairy. If so, you know, Reimer would make sense. He would definitely help solidify the floor of this Knights team. But in terms of a guy you would give up, you know, like a second, third round pick for, he's probably not, you know, raising this team stealing a whole bunch. Like if you are looking at the Knights roster right now, especially with Leonard gone, and you're like, oh, maybe this is a team that makes, you know, playoffs and has the real fight on its hands in the first round. Maybe this is a borderline playoff team. You know, I don't think you're all of a sudden going like, well, if we get James Reimer, this is a conference finals team. Or, you know, if we get James Reimer, this is a bubble playoff team to like a no doubt playoff team. He's not that kind of a guy. So I'm curious if the Knights end up making a move there or whether they just decide, you know what, we're going to wait it out, see what happens with Thompson and Bressois. I think this would probably be the most likely scenario. And then if we feel like we're not getting enough out of that position, Later on into the season, we can reassess and see who becomes available. I think that's probably the most likely scenario, just because there's not a ton of attractive options out there for them. Um, so to cover some other slightly less consequential things that happened in that week, 
that Larry was away that uh, I did anticipate and were not willing to like kind of screw everything up or like completely flip around the schedule. Uh, Nick Wag, five year, uh, three million dollar average annual value extension. He stays with the Golden Knights. Keegan Colasar got three years with a one point four million dollar AAV. Jake Lecision is back three years, uh, seven hundred sixty seven thousand dollars AAV. Uh, basically got the minimum salary at the NHL each of those three years. Um, and same thing with Paul Cotter, who was actually not a uh, restricted free agent this summer, uh, like Wa, Colasar, and Lecision. Paul Cotter was set to be a restricted free agent next summer, but the Knights got him done one year ahead of time, three years, a $775,000 average annual value. His deal is also for the minimum salary, but lucky for Paul Cotter, the NHL minimum salary bumps up next year to $775,000. So that's why he gets a little bit of a bump um, compared to Jake Lecision, it's just the timing works out better for Paul Cotter, where when his new deal kicks in, minimum salary goes up. And whereas Jake Lecision has to deal with one more year of the minimum salary being at $750,000 before it bumps up next year. So that hurts him just a little bit. Um, overall, with these four deals, got to say, that's pretty solid business by the Knights, especially the term. I mean, you look at like three-year minimum for all these guys, that's going to take all of them kind of through the remaining flat cap years. I think, you know, one would anticipate this is all not for sure, but based on how things are projecting, the Knights will have all of these guys still under contract through the years where the cap is only going up $1 million each season. So it's kind of huge to have cost certainty with these young players who could still potentially improve as you're mapping out both your short and long-term vision for this roster. So that's going to really help them being competitive. The only guy, of course, I did not mention in that list is defenseman Nick Hag, who is the lone ranger being a restricted free agent who has yet to re-sign with the Golden Knights. He is the one RFA. They have not gotten done yet. Right now, that's just really not a big deal. We've talked on this podcast before about how it could take a while, maybe even drag in to camp, though obviously I think both he and the Knights would like to avoid this cutting into his first practices with Bruce Cassidy, but Dylan Coughlin and Nolan Patrick, those are two guys who are the exact same spot as Haig last year in terms of being a restrictive free agents but not having arbitration rights. They both side signed within the last eight days before camp. I think Coughlin signed eight days before camp. Patrick signed like five days before camp. They're both in camp day one. So kind of, you know, pressure really helps these situations resolve themselves. You would anticipate as we get closer to that training camp date, which I believe is September 21st or 22nd for the Knights this year. Those talks are going to ramp up, and probably that is when we're expecting a deal to get done. Now, if we get to, you know, a little bit into rookie camp, which I believe starts the 15th, so we're, we're at, like, you know, the 17th, 18th, still nothing, still crickets out of the Knights and Nick Hag. That's where it starts to get interesting in terms of wondering, all right, are they going to be able to come together in time so he's not missing practices with the new coach, but that's still like about a month away. So if you're worried about Nick Hag not being in that list of guys that have re-signed yet, it's not panic time yet. It's got a lot of time before uh, panic time. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. 
With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. Uh, before I move on to taking your questions, just want to uh, point out that I got a series going for you guys at ReviewJournal.com. I'm going through the Knights' depth charts at each position. Uh, left wing, center, right wing, already out there. Uh, left defense should be up today. And then we got right defense going on Saturday and goalies going on Sunday. Unless, of course, the Knights do make a move at goalie. That would be unexpected at this point, And that shakes up the whole depth chart that I've already written. But I just tried to lay out where the Knights are at each spot on the roster, where it maybe compares to their previous years, and then what that kind of leaves open for them to still do uh, heading into the season. I think the one big takeaway that people should probably have if they've read it so far is that this team is much less wing-heavy than they've been in the past and actually has more center depth than probably ever before. I mean, I think it was a constant refrain uh, for gears with this team that, oh man, they're really missing that number one center. That's kind of the big thing they were not able to pull in during the expansion draft. But now you look down the middle that they could have, and they've got Eichel. They've got Carlson and Stevenson, both top six guys. Nick Waugh, good middle six guy, can bump between the top six and the bottom six. Brett Howden, really good on the fourth line. Last year, they've got Jake LeCision, you know, had some moments as a rookie. They've got a good prospect in Ivan Morozov who could mix in for time at some point this year. They've got a lot of guys that deserve to play in the NHL. And then you look on the wings, and just in the last however many years, or uh, since November, I should say, they've lost Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, Max Pacioretty, Evgeny Dodonov, Matthias Yanmark. That's a lot of bodies going out the door to the point where uh, some of these centers are probably going to have to help out at wing, even if it's not necessarily their ideal position, because that's just how this roster is set up right now. So we got into kind of the options for that, how they could all play together, where they could use help, you know, at those spots uh, all throughout the series. So I'd really encourage you guys to check it out at reviewjournal.com. Um, hopefully you guys find it interesting. All right, last segment of this episode. I'm going to get to your Twitter questions. Uh, I'm going to try to make this a more regular feature of the show, especially as we're kind of figuring out what we're doing here this off season and I'm kind of going solo. I think this helps provide a little bit of structure. Um, so I'm going to try to be more interactive. If you guys want to send me questions, my Twitter handle is at uh, Ben S goats. That is Ben S G O T Z on Twitter, or uh, you can email me. My email is B as in boy, a G O T Z as in zebra at reviewjournal.com. If you want to email me questions, if you want to tweet me questions, um, I'll try to compile them. You know, I don't know if it'll be each week, it'll be every other week, it'll be once a month, but I'll try to, you know, make sure to be good about taking questions from you guys and answering things that you actually want to know about this team rather than just deciding for myself what you might want to know. And hopefully that'll help the show and make you guys feel like you're part of the show. So that's the goal right now. So I did that this morning and I really appreciate everyone who responded. I'm only going to do a couple, but hopefully you guys like this and this will end up being something that happens at least a way more often than we've done on this show previously. Um, first question we're going to talk about from at Steve underscore W5. What to do with Robin Leonard's $5 million in cap space? Who do you sign and when? Uh, this is a great question. A lot of you guys had similar versions of this question. So hopefully 
you know, all of you that kind of sent in a version, this will speak for you guys. So the big thing, and we talked about this on last week's show, what Robin Leonard's potentially season-ending injury does for the Golden Knights is that it opens up some salary cap flexibility for them. When they put Robin Leonard on a long-term injured reserve, that essentially opens up $5 million in spending power for them, which obviously they can then use to upgrade the roster. They could use to you know, upgrade at goaltender. They could use to upgrade at forward, get some more depth scoring. They could do both. You know, get a $2.5 million goalie, $2.5 million forward. Boom. We've upgraded at two spots at for $5 million. Uh, the Knights have two ways to go about this, and I think this is the tricky part that uh, I hope fans understand, and I'm going to try to explain it as clearly as possible because the long-term injured reserve rules for the NHL are complicated. Um, but it boils down to, essentially, the Knights can either A, spend $5 million right now in terms of this offseason, spend $5 million adding to the roster before the start of the regular season, or they wait until the actual season is ongoing to spend that $5 million. And then whenever they start adding players, they put Robin Leonard on long-term injured reserve then and opening open up that cap flexibility then. Um, the key here to keep in mind, and like I said, I don't want to get bogged down in the mumbo-jumbo of why this is, but the Knights basically have to pick a lane where if they want to spend that $5 million this offseason, they have to spend basically as much of it as possible. They cannot, for example, to like kind of maximize how they're going to use this long-term injured reserve space opened up by Robin Leonard being hurt. They cannot buy a $2.5 million goaltender now, and then during the season, trade for a $2.5 million forward. It does not work that way in terms of how the LTIR rules work. They either need to, if they decide they want to spend money now, they have to spend basically the entire $5 million. If they want to spend money during the season or right before the trade deadline, they need to then save that $5 million entirely for during the season. They can't kind of split it both ways. You have to pick a lane one or the other, which does make things pretty complicated because you know there are pros and cons to both approaches, right? I think a lot of people would like them to see that money spent now you know there's a lot of potential forwards they could go out and get you could you know buy a paul stasny you could buy a phil kessel you could buy an evan rodriguez you know some combination of some of those intriguing guys available even like a sunny milano from the anaheim ducks last year you could buy those guys add to your forward depth fill out the kind of wing depth chart that we just talked about was a little thin and use that five million dollars there and then you've made the roster better potentially more competitive, and then you go into the season with potentially a better chance. So that is one way to go about it. Of course, the downside to that approach is that, you know, while I think there's something that you could get intrigued by by all those guys, we are talking about them being unsigned as of a recording on August 19th when free agency opened July 13th. The fact that all of these guys are still available and could have been signed by any of the other 31 NHL teams at any point over the last month is probably not a great sign for how other clubs are viewing these guys. Maybe there are certain things you can kind of fudge, like maybe Paul Stasny has been holding out for a Stanley Cup contender, and he was waiting to see where Kadri would go, and then maybe now that like the Islanders get Kadri, maybe they call Paul Stasny. Maybe now that Colorado knows that 
you know, Kadri isn't coming back to them, maybe they call Stasny. But other than that, I think, you know, if guys wanted a winger, they probably could have picked up the phone and called, you know, Kessel, Rodriguez, or Milano by now, but they're still unsigned. So that probably doesn't say great things about, like I said, how teams view them or just what the price tag they're looking for at this point. But if you want them, that's an option. The other kind of downside to potentially taking this approach besides, you know, are you buying top of the market guys? Clearly not at this point is that it would hamper the Knights' roster flexibility at least a little bit. Uh, I'm talking about some of those guys that they re-signed, Jake LeCision, uh, Ronis Janberg, earlier this offseason. Uh, those guys are no longer waiver-exempt, which means that if the Knights decide that they don't have room for them on the opening night roster, they will have to go through waivers to get to the American Hockey League. That means any team would have a chance to put in a claim on them. Uh, we saw the Knights a couple years ago purposely put Keegan Colasar on the opening night roster, even though he didn't necessarily have a spot right away, just to avoid him going on waivers so they didn't lose him. So if you, you know, right now the Knights have 11 forwards under contract. If you include LeCision and Ron Bjerg on there, that's 13. It's about what you want on the NHL roster. If you sign two forwards, now you've got 15. That's too many. For sure, one of those guys is having to get bumped to the minors, and you could potentially lose them for the season, I mean, maybe both. If you only want to keep 13, you lose both of those guys, uh, which would not be ideal. I know, you know, adding Stasny and Rodriguez potentially would make for a better, like, opening night, you know, 12 guys that you could fill out. But as the Knights showed last year, you don't just need 12 guys. You need way more than that. I don't know exactly how many forwards they used last year, but it was probably around, like, 18 or so. So losing guys who could be that depth for you, like LeCision and Ron Biergen, exposing them to waivers because you've signed some guys late in the offseason might not be the best long-term strategy. But, you know, option B, which is then, you know, if you don't want to do that, you don't want to sign guys that are still out there this late in the offseason and then potentially jeopardize some of the depth of your organization. You know, it's not like waiting till during the season has it doesn't have its drawbacks either. I mean, the upside is you get to kind of see how this roster looks. You get to see how guys potentially fit in at different spots, and you can have a couple months to evaluate where your holes are. Maybe, you know, a Chandler Stevenson or William Carlson looks really good at left wing, and you're like, hey, you know, we thought about adding a left wing this offseason. We actually don't need to do that. We actually think we're good there. I mean, same with goaltending. Maybe, you know, you're going into this season and you were, calling about Varlama, if you're calling about Allen, you're calling about Reimer, the price just isn't there, but you kind of want that goaltending depth, and you're like, ah, this is a little bit shaky, but you get into the season, Logan Thompson looks really good, and you're like, oh, never mind, we had it all figured out, we're good, we don't need to do that, you can reevaluate your priorities, you know, on like the other side, the downside, maybe someone on like the blue line gets hurt, and all of a sudden you go from, hey, we didn't think we need to address the blue line at all this year, we, you know, had this great group of you know, seven heading into the season, but now we've got a big hole and now we want to spend this $5 million on the blue line. You know, waiting till during the season gives you the flexibility to do that and adjust your priorities and all that stuff. It also allows you to potentially go through internal options and exhaust those before looking for outside help. You know, the Knights do have some question marks at wing, but, you know, if you wait until potentially the trade deadline to make a move, 
that gives you the potential for like a Brandon Brisson to emerge in December or January and give him, you know, a little runway. And then if you give him, you know, 10, 12 NHL games and you're just like, you know what, he's still promising, but it's not going to happen this year. Then you can go out and make that trade. Or maybe he surprises you and you're like, you know what, we actually don't need that depth right winger because we've got that guy already in our organization waiting and having some patience gives you time to try all these things out uh, before making that move, which would be a good you know way to approach it if you're the Knights. The downside, of course, obviously, is that we have all these question marks about the Knights roster, specifically at wing and at goaltender entering this season. If you don't address those heading into the season, you wait until potentially the trade deadline to make a move. I mean, there is a chance it's too late at that point. If you're out of the division race, if you're, you know, decent chunk back of the wild card chase by the time we get around to March, it might be too late to make a move at that point. So that's the one risk you, of course, run by being patient of like, are you going to run out of time? Because, you know, it's not impossible, but it's very rare for any sort of significant move to happen, you know, not until like the week or until the week before the trade deadline or whatever. You're not seeing blockbuster moves made very often in January or February. Like the week before the trade deadline, stuff starts to happen. But other than that, there's not a lot of activity before then outside of like some depth pieces kind of shuffling around. So if the Knights get to December and the goalies aren't working out how they thought they were, it's going to be pretty hard for them to all of a sudden adjust course, you know, midstream there. They might have to wait until March, and at that point, are you going to be too far out of the race? So that's the one risk they run by being patient. But um, hopefully that was clear, and that kind of helps you guys understand the big thing about how the Knights now treat this new $5 million that they have been kind of gifted in flexibility by Robin Leonard, you know, potentially missing the season. They can either use all that flexibility up before the season, or they can use that flexibility up during the season they can't do both. It is one or the other. That is how these long-term injured reserve rules work. And that does kind of give them an interesting fork to choose from heading into this season. We'll see ultimately which direction they go. All right, I want to run through a couple more because that, of course, took a while. That was a lengthy explanation. Uh, from at MX Legal, do you think you can get any players to come on your podcast? It would be interesting to hear more of their stories and insights on the game in a more relaxed and extended format. Uh, yes, we are going to try uh, to be even better about this next year. Um, we, of course, have had players on this podcast. Uh, for those that just started listening to us, maybe this offseason or recently, um, we have done interviews going back a couple years. They're always kind of labeled as special bonus episodes. Uh, if you want to scroll through you know, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to us, uh, we appreciate however you do it. But if you want to go back um, just in the last year, since the start of last training camp, we did Peyton Krebs, we did Logan Thompson, Nick Hag, Ben Hutton, uh, William Carrier, who was a sneaky, good interview. I know he's not necessarily the guy that all of the Knights fans think of right away, but we talked about all his fishing excursions. We talked about, you know, he helped build a house for his family up in Quebec. You know, he's got this incredible wine cellar up there for his wife. We've got a ton of um, cool stuff from the interview. So I encourage you guys to go back and listen to all that stuff if you're interested. I mean, going back years, we've had Ryan Rees on, we've had Mark Stone on, we've had Max Pacioretty on, uh, Chandler Steve. I mean, the, a lot of the guys, most of the guys on the team 
that have cycled through have been on at one point or another. So we encourage you guys to go back. But of course, that is, you know, the plan for this year as well, that we will continue to do interviews with the, these guys, try to get you guys to know them a little bit more, especially off the ice. I think it's pretty valuable to learn a little bit more about the personalities of these guys, their hobbies, everything like that. So you get to know them more, you know, as people and not just players. And hopefully that's what some of those podcast interviews help you guys to do. And we definitely can want to continue them moving into next year. Um, last one uh, from at Chusif14. More of a general question. Is there any plans to have reporters slash writers back in the locker room after games? Um, that is the hope. I don't know. We have not heard anything official there yet. Of course, you know, 2021, that was all Zoom. The bubble in the 2020 playoffs, that was all via Zoom. And then this past year was, you know, there's some one-on-ones that we were able to get, but mainly a lot of podium stuff where, you know, Pete DeBoer and then a couple players both before and after games would just come to a set podium where all of us would be there. And so we'd all kind of interview the same people before and after games, unless it was a special request or like a special circumstance. So it kind of led to a lot of, I think, similar coverage from a lot of different people. It was much harder to distinguish, you know, storylines from each other because we, you know, unlike an open locker room, which had been in the past, you can't just go up to whoever you want and start a conversation which could lead to, you know, unique story ideas. If I'm off, you know, in the corner having a conversation with William Carlson about Star Wars and someone else is having a conversation with, you know, Robin Leonard about his goalie pads, well, we're obviously going to work on two completely different stories for the next day. Whereas, you know, if William Carlson comes to the podium, well, there's only so many options, obviously, to get stories out of him that day. So I hope that is the case. Like I said, nothing is official, but I do think it would obviously help differentiate the coverage a little bit and I think that is obviously better for you guys the fans and the consumers who want to learn more about these players and want more unique stories about this these players and I'm hoping that we can provide that to you guys next year uh, that's it for these first round of questions once again if you want to hit up me for questions we want to make this a more regular part of the show I am at Ben S Goats on Twitter G-O-T-Z or bgoats at reviewjournal.com, B as in boy, G-O-T-Z as in zebra, at reviewjournal.com. Tweet me, email me. I will get the questions either way, and I will try to include them as a more regular part of the show. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you're having a great Friday. As a reminder, the Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by Station Casino's SDN Sports. We are presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Once again, I've got a depth chart series running at reviewjournal.com. If you guys want to check that out, and um, we are also presented by Blue Wire. And of course, you guys can rate, review, subscribe. Whenever you do podcasts, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Ghost. This is the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit.